Here we go. Father, we just, we just draw a line in the sand and we move now, Lord. All that we've done to the fellowship, the worship, the giving, it points to open our heart and prepare our heart to receive the seed, the incorruptible, eternal seed of your word. Plant it deeply in us right now, Lord. Give me the, the, the anointing that makes it obvious you are speaking, Lord, not Pastor Chuck. I know what it's like to come with just five loaves and a couple fish going, I, I don't, God, you're going to have to touch it. And I get in the car and Candace goes, that was too good to be you. I know when that happens. And, and, and every good, responsible man and woman of God who ever preaches your word knows how it works. I don't come with man's wisdom or enticing words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this series, first of all, I've taken the last three Sundays off after my birthday. I was here for two of them. So thankful for the, the men that preached. I was blessed. Um, but it's dangerous to give me three weeks off. I was working, letting this sermon marinate and studying and I told Kenneth Friday, I was like, honey, I got six months of preaching on Christmas. And so I got to cram it into the next three Sundays. Um, and to call it the womb of Christmas sounds a little PG-13, doesn't it? And it reminds me of the man who had just gotten a physical. And the doctor came in and said to him, well, everything looks good. Everything checked out great. Do you have any questions, anything I can help you with? And the man said to the doctor, he said, you know, doc, I'm considering getting a vasectomy. He said, really? That's a serious thing to consider. Have you talked it over with your wife, with your family yet? And he said, yes, sir, I have. And they voted 17 to 2 in favor of it. <laughs> so... There's a second wave coming, I hear you. Here comes the third wave. Somebody's explaining it to their husband. All right. But the title today is, and everybody hear me, here's my commitment. If you've been around here in a, De a December, like my knees are shaking right now. I feel such a, a burden. I don't get nervous, but I, I, I start feeling the, the unction of what the Holy Spirit wants to say in here. And I always make a... a um, Commitment to you as your pastor. In December, I love Christmas, we all do, but we're not going to wax romantic. It's not going to get hallmarky up in here. It's going to be, Emmanuel has come. It's, it's too sacred and holy for us to sit here and work on our shopping list or our to-do list. I, if I didn't have something to say, I'd have somebody else to preach. God wants to speak to us today. Today is going to be a red-letter day for some people. So, the womb of Christmas. This week, we'll talk about the word of the womb. Next week, we'll talk about who the word is for. As we take a look at family, and it's incredible to see in Luke 1 and 2 what God was doing in one family to change the whole world. And then the, the third week, the Sunday right before Christmas, I'm going to talk to you about the way of the word, where Mary said, I am your servant. Not I will be, I am. That's why she got chosen. We're going to take a look at those three things. But today, I want us to look at the word in the womb. The word. 
Luke chapter 1, let's read verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the same one that had spoken to her husband, Zechariah. God sent the same one to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Oh, it's getting serious. This is Messiah-related. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, and the angel, angel in the Greek is often, it's pastor, one who speaks for God or a messenger. And so this isn't a precious moments, um, cutesy cartoon character. Every time a person saw an angel in the Bible, it seemed like they had to have their, their diaper change, you know, because it scared them. And so the virgin's name, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. There's a lot to say about that. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Everybody say, his words. What he said, she was troubled at that and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel, look, said, he spoke words to her from God. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And here's the word, the sermon from heaven, Latin, sermon, word from God. But the angel said, do not be afraid. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Her heart's beating faster and faster. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's. She's got to be tearing up by now. Um, he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will... How will this be, Mary asked, since I, I am a virgin? Great words got to be for somebody else. I'm not qualified. The angel answered. So the angel said, again, he spoke words. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And he says, even Elizabeth, this is what we'll talk about next week. God's already started working in your family. You're not the only one. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. That was a, wait, what? And she who was said, these are words that described Elizabeth. It's being said she's unable to conceive. See all these words? She's in her sixth month. She's conceived. She's showing now. In verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. The NIV actually translates this better. Many, many of your translations, it says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And that's actually a bad translation. It sounds good, but it, it, it's, it really means, for no word. Here we are, words again. God, what God says will never fail. And her response, she says back her words now to the angel's words, which are actually God's words, which were un unbelievable. I'm a virgin. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word, your words to me be fulfilled. 
the womb of Christmas, the place where after conceiving, the baby is carried in the female anatomy. That embryo, fetus, that baby is nurtured and prepared for life on planet Earth. How a woman gives a baby, if you've been in the delivery room, I think men have several feelings. It's incredible. And thank God it's my wife doing that because men are not wired for that one. God came to earth through a 14, 15-year-old virgin named Mary. Jesus, Emmanuel, was entrusted as a little embryo, a little fetus, a baby, that an inexperienced, not yet married girl would carry. And his now impact in the earth is powerful and amazing, and it is still being multiplied where men and women offer their inmost parts, the intimate places of their lives to him in service. The template of Christmas is this, and this is what we're going to break down this morning. Number one, God has a plan to redeem lost people. That's his enterprise. All that God's doing isn't to just bless charismatic people. It's all about redeeming lost people. Secondly, God in his enterprise, speaks to people about what he wants to do in them and through them to help him reach lost people. And then number three, this is Christmas. God partners with men and women, humankind, in his plan to redeem a lost world. God does not work independently from mankind. Now, let's break that down. What God does in the earth, he does through people. He doesn't work independently. The angel said to her, greetings, highly favored. Lord is with Mary, was troubled. God was getting ready to initiate the key first step in the plan of redemption. And he tells a little virgin girl, I'm going to do it through you. Let's talk about the word of Christmas. Listen closely because this is simple and poetic but profound. In the beginning, God said. In the beginning of Christmas, God said. Christmas didn't start in Bethlehem. It didn't start in the manger. It didn't start when there was a decree from Caesar. It started in this passage when a word from heaven came to a teenage virgin and she said, I receive that word. Please listen closely. In the kingdom of God, nothing moves until something is said. It is in saying something that makes things move. We think things happen only when you do something. 
But God made the world to function according to what you say. Adam ruled not because he was the strongest or the smartest in the garden. He ruled because he had the power of speech. He was able to do what God, and he was the only one able to do. He was created in God's image. He was able to speak. Everything in the kingdom starts moving when something is said. God speaks. We either receive it or we don't. And then we speak. And if we receive it, we begin to talk like God. If we don't, we begin to disqualify ourselves from receiving. Then we speak in our world. Hebrews 3, 11 verse 3. God, the Bible says that God formed the world by the word. He framed the world by his words. And so do you. You frame your world by what comes out of your mouth. In the beginning, God said, listen to me, everybody, profound. Nobody was even there to hear what God was saying, but he said it anyway because he was speaking not for communication, but creation. God said, and things started moving and happening. In the beginning, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, Jesus was the word. And here in Luke 1, we're seeing the word becoming made flesh. God spoke to Mary. Mary received it. Jesus became a baby in her womb, and here we are today, 2,000 years later, celebrating Christmas. Now, before we make Mary a saint, let's consider her questioning the angel. When she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Just the chapter before, her relative, Zachariah, he heard a same, the same kind of crazy word from the same angel. And he said, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm an old man. And you know he was a good man because he, he qualified. He said, and my wife, she's well along in years too. Don't you love how he qualified that? She's mature too. And the angel said, because you didn't receive the word, you will no longer be able to speak. And Mary does the same thing probably not knowing the story. And the angel gives her the option, and he talks her into believing it, and then she says, okay, I receive it. In Luke chapter 1, verse 39, look what it says. At that time, Mary got ready after she had received the word and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud, look at all these words. John the Baptist is in Elizabeth's womb. And he hears not Jesus, but the mother of Jesus speak. And the first person to ever worship Jesus could have been aborted in today's world. And he worshiped. 
And his worship, it then caused the Bible to describe his mother as being full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 42, not only is she speaking now, but in a loud voice she exclaimed. We, we see this so hallmarky. This is a much older relative looking down at her little probably niece or grand, great niece and saying, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. You see, your words bring life or death. And we see this all through scripture. Ezekiel, if you're in a valley of dry bones, God says, just speak to them and they will come to life. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. It's all through the Bible, Joel chapter three. Joel said, let the weak say, let the poor say. Proverbs 18, 21 says that there is the power of life and death in the tongue. We've been raised to think sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. How many of you know that's not true? Words do harm. They do hurt. But it's not so much what people say to you about you. It's about what you say to yourself. Listen to me, somebody. The woman with the issue of blood had seen all the doctors for 12 years. And the Bible says in Matthew 9, 21, she said to herself, if I can just touch his garment, I will be healed. Y'all out there, we see it all through scripture. Psalm 107, let the redeemed of the Lord Say what? Say, I'm redeemed. Genesis 3, verse 1. Satan said to Eve, did God really say? This is the spirit we've always dealt with. The spirit that's causing young Christians to deconstruct their faith. Creating a, an idea that we can unhitch ourselves from some of these words in here. The spirit that says it's not really inerrant. And he comes to say, did God really say? And it brings confusion. Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, the, the military leader, the centurion, replied to Jesus when he said, Jesus, I need you to do a miracle for one of my key soldiers. And Jesus said, where are you? I'm coming to your house. He said, no, you don't need to come to my house. Just say the word. Are y'all listening? To, I'm, I'm, I'm about 20 minutes ahead of you. Y'all pray for me. He said, if you will just say, Jesus, you can say something here that will heal my servant who is not here. He is there. That's why worship is so powerful. We're singing we're saying things loudly here in this room that God can go to Chattanooga and Birmingham 
where your children are, where your boss is. And we can pray and he can give us a word and what he says, it will be done. This is Christmas. Romans chapter 10, you can't even get saved without saying something. Verse 9 says, if you say, if you say, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, and we know our words are connected to what's in our heart. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. One of my sons just recently shared, he had a couple friends just kind of betray him. And he just, had, he dismissed them. And I, probably out of self-protection, he just was like, they don't exist right now. And one of them had begun to text him. And he didn't want, he just, he ignored them, ghosted them. And he said, one morning last week, one of them sent a kind message. And he described that he could tell what that message was about. And he said, I'm, not, I'm still not going to respond. And then he got in Proverbs, he read his proverb of the day. And the first verse basically told him, don't do that. He said, Dad, do you know what? As soon, I didn't even finish the chapter. And I had to go respond to that text. That's the power of receiving the word. Anybody know what that is like? Blake, Blake will probably be in the next service. I told his story two or three weeks ago. This is a young man took four different medications at 7.30 in the morning. He's in his mid-20s and 5.30 in the afternoon. Since he was in middle school, he said, I can't remember. Diagnosed in middle school with crippling depression and anxiety. Goes to the trip down in New Orleans and uh, forgets, it, forgets his medication coincidentally. Aren't you glad God is the God of the coincidental? And, um, and God delivered him. And I, I said, and this is like, we're now weeks, month plus, I don't know exactly how much time, a couple months. And he said to me, he said, Pastor Chuck, do you remember? You said the word will do the work. And he started quoting off the cuff things I had preached weeks or months ago. And this is a young man who rolled up his sleeve and 12 or 15 scars on his arm. We're not talking about a little choir boy. We're talking about a kid who needed, a young adult who needed some divine assistance. And all I did was stand up in here and say what God told me to say. Your pastor became a messenger, that's all I am, and said what God has said and is saying, and a young man said, I'll receive that. And that word got in him and healed him. Come on, somebody. I, I'm going to over-illustrate every point, okay? Okay. I had three weeks off, so just bear with me. <laughs> it's all through Scripture. When you see something, you can't unsee it. Luke chapter 2. So the next chapter, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. He, here, listen, 
Job chapter 22, verse 37 and 8, Job decreed. A decree. He said something with faith on it. That's a spirit. And what happened? Job got back way more than he lost. When he started saying what God was saying about his situation. Here, we now see Caesar the evil, Caesar Augustus. He said that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. I got to say this just real quick. Everybody listen. He, being in authority, was able to say what everybody had to do. And as soon as he said it, people had to start moving to where their family of origin was being raised. And they had to start paying their taxes. And I want you to just see something. When he spoke, people had to start moving and money had to start moving. And you can go, dadgummit, that's what all these political leaders do. They get us moving and get our money leaving. But what he didn't realize was he was actually saying selfishly what he was supposed to be saying spiritually to get the word of the Lord that was in Mary's womb to become the word that would be fulfilled that had been spoken 700 years ago. There's a whole lot of words going on. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So what we have now is there was a word over her life. There was more than one. She had the prophet's word, the angel's word, and now the IRS's word. And a word in her womb that would become the word made flesh. And that is the word of Christmas. Now the second thing I want to point out to you this morning, and we're going to close sometime this morning. <laughs> the way of Christmas. Now we've talked about the word of Christmas. Please, brothers and sisters, please, I'm not here to preach, to entertain, or to be anything except a, a vessel through which God can speak. This is monumental understanding if you can grasp this. The way of Christmas. What is the way of Christmas? Listen, God works in and through people. God comes to earth to do his greatest work, not independently. He, he could. He could just show up and supernaturally put spells and laws in place or suspend laws, but he doesn't do that. He comes to earth in and through a person. What God does in the earth, he does through people. God does the work. The people don't. But he does the work in and through people. We, I, I've got... I've got Right now, stuff I didn't even prepare to say. I'm just sitting here going. We can sit here and pray. God fix the broken education system. Our kids are being indoctrinated. 
And we can sit here and pray and have prayer vigils and fast. And at some point, God's probably spoken to somebody, well, help me, open up a school. And we did. You understand? And we can pray and think through it. What God does in the earth, he does through people. God does the work in and through people. He doesn't work independently. He doesn't sit up in heaven sending spells, working supernaturally all alone. He works in people and through people. This is a whole nother point, but listen. He's always working in me that he can work through me. Moses, Abraham, we see this picture. This is another picture I'm going to over-illustrate. We are created in his image. We're able to communicate the power of ministry through us with him working in us and through us. Even the great commit, what's the greatest commit? Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Genesis chapter 12, Abram, you've got to leave. If you leave, do your part. I will make your name great, which speaks of his character. I will make you into a great nation. I'm going to do something in you so I can make a great nation out of you. And then I am going to bless you so much that you will be a blessing to others. Ezekiel chapter 20, we see it. This was our men's, theme, our men's Real Men Weekend retreat. He said, I sought for a man. I wanted to keep my people, the Hebrews, from being destroyed. So I looked for a man. I didn't come down and say, no, Babylonians, you can't have them. He said, I looked for a man, but because I couldn't find one, they're destroyed. In the New Testament, we see it, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 19, and 20. Look what Paul says. All this, all this ministry of people getting right with God and right with each other. All this is from God who reconciled us first to himself through Christ and gave us his ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Everybody say that word, ambassadors. And then look, as though God were making his appeal through us. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat with all the resources and the authority sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. God doesn't come and do his work. He comes and speaks his word to his people who join him as his servants and then he works through them. And when he works through them, he takes virgins and makes them mommies. It's supernatural. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Uh, can I get a few more minutes? That was very tepid. Um, at the men's retreat, Bruce Deal, my brother-in-law, he's been here many times, uh, City of Refuge, world premier urban ministry center. 
He was telling the men the story of, all right, for nine years they've been rescuing women from trafficking. And the stories are horrendous. And his office is stuck in a part of the building where he's between the older women who are rescued and then the younger. And he said, one day God came to him and said, they need to be protected before they get here. Why don't you do something? And Bruce told us, he said back to God, why don't you do something? Because you're God. And God said, I am doing something. I'm telling you to do it. <laughs> Remember that? And Bruce said, like Mary, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it. God said, well, I'll help you. My spirit will come. And they're like, all ministries where heaven touch earth my men, my spirit will overshadow you isn't that beautiful that brothers and sisters is the picture this is what god's wanting to do in each of our lives everybody look the prayers you're praying for your family being answered probably involve you doing something god has said for you to do that you're like well, that's not going to make any difference. And you don't know yet. Because either you haven't heard him tell you what to do, or you haven't done it. Even with the disciples in Luke chapter 9, I think it is. The Bible's, you know, can you imagine being part of the posse with Jesus? And everywhere he goes, there's a crowd. He's out on the mountainside, away from the city. There's no practical logistics that would make this work for a gathering. And there's 5,000 people when in that day, 5,000 families actually. And in Luke 9, the disciples come to him and they say, they're hungry. Do something. He literally says, you do something. He says to them, you feed them. And this is the, this is the moment that we all have with the Lord. And many of us shrink back because we don't realize it. It's even happening or our faith is so atrophied that we're like, that's impossible. I'm a virgin. And, and Jesus says, after they were like, that's a rude thing to say. He said, well, what, what do you have? And they said, well, we've looked to collect lunches and all we got are one little boy brought five loaves of bread and, I mean, it's basically five tortillas and a couple fish. And he said, bring it to me. That's a start. And he, the picture is just so Sunday school 200 building for the kids that we, we've gotten sophisticated. We're like, no, we got to hire a little. There's a food processing we got to strike a deal. And I bet we could, Judas was going ding, 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 ding. I bet I can strike a deal. And I can get me a deal on the side too. And Jesus said, what, just bring it to me. And what did he do? He, he prayed it over it. He blessed it. And he said, here, help me distribute it. I'm not going to do it. You brought me what you had. I spoke over it. And now you well, it only takes one you to get five loaves and two fish. One you brought that lunch here. Jesus is like, 
shut up and just trust me. Or I'll treat you like Zachariah got treated and you won't be able to talk. Okay. They, maybe, maybe they got two little crumbs. I don't know. And they're like, it's like, just go. Just go. Take it. And they get over there and they're like, they're like bus boys, you know. They go back. They can't wait to get back. This is how he works. What is he saying to you about your situation? Now, I'm going to close with this right here. Um, I, I want to, the, the power of the word connecting all of this is, so Mary, being a little Jewish girl, the Bible says she was highly favored. Please don't check out just yet. I want to connect Mary at 14 years old, being raised right. She probably knew what Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 said. The virgin will conceive and bring forth a son. And he shall be called Emmanuel. And she had heard that. And there was a moment when she probably had to go. It's Some of the dots started getting connected. And she, how can, I'm a virgin. Maybe she, did I just say that? And he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and do the work. Can you imagine her going like Blake did? Pastor Chuck, you said the Word will do the work. There had to be a moment where that little girl goes, God, you said there'd be a virgin. You didn't say I'd be the one. What have you heard in the past, God speak that you go. You don't even connect it. It looks impossible. You know God's great, but He can't use me. And you disqualify it. One last scripture in Luke chapter 11. Jesus is teaching and a lady goes, you know, she had to be sitting down near the front, and she was like, doggone, that, he, that guy, that is good. And she said, blessed? Boy, your mama must sure be proud of you. And she said, blessed are the breasts that nurse you. That's a mama going, can you imagine how proud his mama should be? And Jesus, when she said it, he stopped and he said, even more blessed are those who hear the word and obey it. That's us. According to Jesus, we could possibly be more blessed than Mary because we hear it and obey it. Oh, we praise you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Everybody, 
I'm going to ask you to stand in just a second. I sense the Lord imparting something to us this morning. I don't remember the last time I've done a funeral. And this week I did three funerals. 82-year-old Daryl Moran, part of our church family for 30 years. And then 81-year-old Friday, a lady I know, I've known for, had known for 30 years. And, and then a, an 18-year-old yesterday. That's a tough way to come off of a three-week break, I can tell you that. But I don't just mail it in, so I, I prayed and put my heart and soul into it. And on Friday, I ministered to that family, and she now has grown sons who have known me in my ministry, and they were in our church at one point. And in that funeral home over in Peachtree Corners, the glory of the Lord came in there. It was moving. It was really what... You do a memorial service of a saint, it should be moving. The Lord came in there, and I got in the car, and Candace got in, and I was just weeping. And we were getting ready to head to the gravesite, and I said, Honey, what we do matters. It's been a tough week for her, and her being in the car on Friday just set her back. And she said, Oh, I know it. And I began to think about this sermon. I just want to tell, we joke. And I joked with that 81-year-old lady in 1997. I told that group, I'm going to be here a long time. I'm going to live a long time. Chances are, I'll do your funeral. And I said, support the church. Be encouraging. Live for Jesus because I'm not going to lie at your funeral. We joked about it. And there I was doing her funeral. And you know, you, you plan on doing people funeral when they're in their 80s or 90s but you don't for an 18 year old and I just want to tell everybody this morning man does not live on bread alone but he lives on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God can you receive that this morning would you just stand with me the Lord is in no doubt in this room, there's somebody who has a question going, how do you hear God? First, just start regular plan to read the Bible. Candace will be here in the next service with her tattered daily walk Bible that she's read through probably 30, 35 times. This is mine that has a new cover on it. The same Bible she has, daily walk from walk through the Bible. I cannot tell you the importance. Just reading the Bible. Half of the scriptures I just read to you have been in my daily reading in the last two weeks. That's how the word is. Just this year, because I've read Robert Murray McShane's plan, read through the Old Testament once, the New Testament twice this year. This coming year in 2024, I'm going to read through the New Testament four times. And then I'll go back and do something the next year. I encourage you. We'll be having those Bibles as we always do. Just read the Word and receive the Word. And say yes when God invites you into His enterprise of redeeming this lost planet. Are y'all out there? Y'all got that quitting look on your face. Everybody look. And I know I'm, I'm coming in for... We're in for a landing. We're just taxiing to the runway now. Um, in our world right now, 
What is, what is God saying? He's speaking. He's redeeming lost mankind. He has a plan for 2024. It's going to be a crazy year. He's got a plan. Will we hear it and say, Holy Spirit, overshadow me. I receive that. May it be unto me according to your word. God, what do you want to do in my family? I want to answer your prayers. Okay, awesome. Will you, in Jesus' name, and we'll talk next week about the family and how the, the word of the womb at Christmas time, God begins to do something unprecedented in a family. And you're going to see signs that God's at work in your family this year. How many of you can just raise your hands right now and just, just say, Holy Spirit, you're speaking. I lift my cells. My ears are open to you. Even right now, some of you have an outlandish, crazy promise that you're embarrassed to even share with others. And God is saying, yes, that's me, that's me. You join me. I will do the work in you and through you. And then how many of you just, come on, keep your hands up. How many of you need a, you need a supernatural miracle in the life of your daughter or your son? You don't need two more counseling sessions. You need a breakthrough. You need a, a virgin will conceive kind of miracle. Come on, just receive the word. Speak it now. Don't just receive it. Now you start saying what God is saying over that situation. In spite of what the facts, in spite of what it looks like, you speak the word over that situation. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Just lift your hands. Lift your voices. We praise you, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Our ears are open. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He's quoting from Psalm 95, where David said, Today, if you hear him, don't harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. Be like Jesus was talking about to the woman, bragging on his mom. Oh, blessed more are those who hear it and obey it. In Jesus' name. Turn and to, tell two people next to you. Just speak to them. God's opening my ears, and I'm going to do what he tells me to do. Tell two people right now. You need to go ahead and say it. Say it. Let your words prophesy and speak it out. Now listen, last thing, I just want you to just declare spiritually, you're going to have bionic ears. You're going to be able to hear what God is saying in the other town. You're going to be able to hear him that well. Because it's good what he's saying. Woo! Need a spiritual Q-tips. We should have passed them out as everybody leaves. Y'all feel victorious? Christmas is awesome. So, Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance up on you and give you peace. Say it. I receive it. In Jesus' name. God bless you.